Welcome to Sarah's Shorts, pocket-sized stories for the soul. I'm Sarah, and I'm tall. The only thing short about me are my podcasts. Sarah's Shorts is the podcast version of my blog, All Things Work Together, where I tell life stories with a purpose. Often faith-based, usually humor-laced, always worth a listen. Or that's my goal anyway. Thanks for joining me. Using your core isn't just physical, it's healthy for your spiritual life too. I can feel myself engaging my core, I told Connie. I was delighted and surprised. We were powerlifting five pounds on either end of the bar on the incline chest press. I found it a struggle from the first lift. Five was not something you misheard. Upper body strength is not my strength. Partway through my second set, I struggled to lift the weight. My arm muscles, perhaps my chest, fatigued. It was then I felt my core take over. It was a rare occurrence for me, which is why I mentioned it to Connie. But before I reached 10 repetitions, my muscles failed and I had to rack the bar. But still, after Connie lifted her 10, I got into position for the third set. That memory of my muscles engaging directed me. I focused on using my core to lift and the weight felt lighter. I completed the set. I'd like every aspect of my life to feel lighter so I can complete my set well spiritually too. How do I engage my core to do that? It was a Pilates class that first drew my attention to engaging my core, which includes four to six muscles, depending on who you're talking to. The muscles are located between your upper ribs and your pelvis on the front sides and back of your body. They're intended to stabilize your body as well as allow you to move. The best way to engage those muscles or figure out where they are, anticipate someone with a strong fist aiming right for your stomach. That deep breath and tightening of your abdominal muscles as you brace yourself for impact does the trick. But if you're opposed to violence, then simply tuck your tail and zip up your abs, bringing your belly button up and towards your spine. The next morning, while gathering towels for the laundry, I tweaked my back. I wasn't doing any heavy lifting, mind you, just reaching for towels and washcloths to carry to the laundry room. But it was enough. For the rest of the day, the slightest movement, even walking, triggered a spasm. I needed help to make the beds I had stripped earlier. Bend with your legs, not your back, my physical therapist husband reminded me as he assisted. As I went through my Saturday trying to handle laundry and small household tasks, bending with my legs forced me to load those muscles more than my back muscles, which helped. But it was only when I consciously also engaged my core, using my abdominals to offload my back, that I felt less pain. My yoga instructor had told me once I needed to engage my core every waking moment, but I don't. Not on autopilot, at least. 
I have to make a conscious decision and action to make it happen for me, which I can't seem to do every waking minute, except when I am weak or in pain. Then I have no choice. I must engage my core to protect whatever is weak or in pain. I wish I did it always. I wish Asa had too. He's one of my favorite kings in the Old Testament. When his army was outnumbered two to one, he cried out to God for help with these magnificent words. Oh Lord, there is no one like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name, we have come against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Let not man prevail against you. That's from 2 Kings 14.11. And God did help Asa in a big way, defeating the bigger army so badly it ran. And the underdog army of Judah was at their heels, defeating the big dogs and taking their wealth. That's the King Asa story I love. But I was disappointed as I read the rest of his story this week. Sadly, he ended his career as Judah's king without God's help, without engaging his core strength. Instead, he relied on his own abilities and others around him. Too often I share Asa's reliance on self instead of going to the one who can help like no other. King Asa, whose story is told in 1 Kings 14 and 15 and 2 Chronicles 14 through 16, is considered one of the few good kings who ruled the southern kingdom of Israel after David's death. After he prayed for help and God fought his battle, Asa sprang into action for God, cleaning up his country. He removed the detestable idols his people had served. He repaired the altar of the Lord, and he even deposed his own grandmother as queen mother because she'd created an obscene idol to worship instead of God. Asa led his people back to God, and he put his treasure where his heart was. Second Chronicles says that Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life. He brought into the temple of God the silver and gold and the articles that he and his father had dedicated. But toward the end of his life, Asa failed to engage his core. At that time, when he faced opposition from the rival king in Israel, instead of asking God for help, he used his own wits and resources and took back the treasure he'd given to God. It says later in 2 Chronicles, Asa then took the silver and gold out of the treasuries of the Lord's temple and of his own palace and sent it to Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, who was ruling in Damascus. Did you catch that? He paid Ben-Hadad to fight his battle for him, and it worked. If you consider robbing God to hire a group of pagans to battle your relatives and take family lands a success, God wasn't pleased. Nor was he pleased when Asa turned only to doctors instead of him for healing. Chronicles then records, though his disease was severe, even in his illness, 
He did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. So sad. He died after suffering for two years with his disease. Here's the thing. King Asa had had 20 years of peace and rest in between his giving the treasure to the Lord and taking it from the Lord's treasury to pay a hitman to deal with the northern kingdom Israel. Peace and rest had lulled him to sleep spiritually. He had forgotten his weakness, had powered God's army on his behalf so many years before. He'd forgotten his forever need of God's help, his core strength. He obviously hadn't been anticipating a sucker punch to his stomach spiritually or making it a practice to engage the one true God to help. God's our strength. Like our core muscles, he wraps his arms around us to make us stable and enable us to move. He makes our load seem light and entire armies run from our presence. King Asa's giving of the treasure to God and his taking away of the same to put into the arms of another savior is quite the image, isn't it? Yet, how often do I do the same? More subtly, of course, as I don't have royal treasures to pack up and then give away. But I do have my trust. And when I'm hurting or sick or winding myself with all sorts of crazy doomsday forecasts of calamity and woe, I don't cry, uncle. I cry, God, help. It's when I'm experiencing peace and rest and maybe a glimmer of success when I'm most at danger, when I think I've done something only I can do, when I think I've got this, when I think I can just be me and that's all I need. That's when I take my treasure of trust from God and store it elsewhere. That's when I fail to engage my core spiritually and rely on myself instead. That's when I lower the bar, failing to complete the set as God desired. Just as I'd done before I learned to engage my core while lifting those hefty five-pound weights with Connie. Jesus, help. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, keep listening, please. You can find my written stories on my websites, All Things Work Together, located at sarahdagan.com. That's Sarah without an H. I hope you'll come back for more of Sarah Short's Pocket Size Stories for the Soul. Thank you.